This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply <laughs> You're listening to the Red Seat Podcast. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Part of the Over the Monster Network. Swing a high deep drive in the right field. That one stalled to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. Presented by SB Nation. It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. The Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. Here comes a 1-2 pitch. The Red Sox win the World Series. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. Strikeouts in 2017 for Chris Sale. An absolute strikeout machine. 13 tonight against the Baltimore Orioles. They're all loaded. High fly ball deep into left center field. Get out Way it. back it carries. And that ball is gone. The Red Sox walk it off in style. That's how it's done. The X-Man strikes. Fly ball to deep left center field. Devers has hit it out. The rookie takes Chapman the other way to tie the game. 
back to the Over the Monster podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined not only by my friend Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster, but I am joined by my friend Matt Collins, uh, formerly of the Locked On Red Sox podcast with me, and uh, now the, well, he, he has been the whole time, but, you know, the uh, managing editor of the uh, entire site. So, welcome back, Matt. It's been a long time since you've been on one of these OTM podcasts. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you're doing throwing out. Lord friend like that it sounds like defamation, <laughs> but we can get into that. Well, um, you know, I'll be more careful next time right. with uh, with with what I say, boss. I hope um, but since we've last spoken, uh, Keaton and I, there has been a bunch of roster moves, and I wanted to get into these moves and get your thoughts. Um, but before we we do that, I want to give you a, a kind of an outline of the show. What you're going to hear tonight, uh, you're going to hear. Talk about the roster moves that I just mentioned. We're going to hit on the Rick Porcello rumors. And then we're going to have like a big winter meetings preview where we talk about um, all the big things. And then we, uh, from you guys, got about a thousand questions. So we're going to answer a lot of those. Some of them rapid fire because we got so many of them. So props to you guys for having that many come out. So let's get to it. Um, First one of these roster moves, Brian Johnson outrided to the minors. Do either of you have any thoughts on Brian Johnson being outrided? Mm, not particularly. I mean, I guess I'm a little surprised that he wasn't claimed. I figured this is the time of year where people kind of just, or teams just kind of bounce guys around, and I figured he could be the kind of guy that gets DFA'd like three times, four times in an offseason, but it's not super surprising or noteworthy or anything like that. How about you, Keats? Yeah, I feel the same. I'm not yeah. surprised, and I don't know if it really moves the needle on anything for anybody. I mean, I think we all didn't really see him as the solution to that fifth starter spot and not really a super effective you know, lefty, quote-unquote, out of the bullpen. That's not really how he'd be used anyways if he was up in the Major League pen. He still could be, too. I mean, I, I would actually bet on him being in the majors at some point this year. <sighs> Okay, next one. Uh, Marco Hernandez and Josh Osic, Osic, um got non-tendered and then later re-signed to contracts that will allow them to make less money while they are playing in the uh, minor leagues. What do you think about these deals? I think this is some weird-ass shit, man. This is some <laughs> Tampa Bay shit right here. <laughs> it's just so, I don't know. It just feels like I get it and I get the luxury tax, and I understand that they're doing it, and whether or not I like it, and they kind of have to do these weird things to do it, but it's just, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, seriously, you're saving, like, $300,000 probably at the end of the day. It's just, it's really annoying. I mean, wasn't the, wasn't the first thing you thought, though, when this happened, was this is something that Bloom had to do all the time in Tampa Bay, so it's probably just habitual at this point? I don't think it's that. I think it's, they're just looking for any little savings they could find against the luxury tax yeah i mean at first before we knew they were going to be re-signed i was kind of surprised that they had even brought josh osich out here in the first place if they were just going to non-tender him did that happen before bloom no i think bloom was here yeah that was his first move i think that was his first claim oh okay i couldn't remember the timing of that the Marco Hernandez one was surprising because I initially, like, kind of take you alluded to, we didn't know they were being re-signed. And 
given the state of the Red Sox roster and his potential to actually be like a viable option for second base every day playing time, that was surprising. Uh, but then a lot less surprising when they did bring him back, and then it was kind of made clear what they were doing. And yeah, I agree with Matt. It's just a little crazy town. I mean, when I when I thought about um, Marco Hernandez, though, he was not good uh, last year by any stretch of the imagination, and I I took this almost more as a vote of confidence in Sue Whalen and C.J. Chatham for next year. Did I, either of you guys have that thought when when Marco was non-tendered? No. Nope. I mean, I took it as maybe they didn't believe in Michael Hernandez. I didn't really, I don't really think it says anything about Leonard Chatham, though. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that just, you know, the the move of of pushing him off the roster in the first place made me think that. But then when he was well, re-signed, obviously, you know, now he's back on the forty man. I'll put it this way: if Len was arbitration eligible, I think they would have done the same thing. Okay. So, how would you rank those guys? If you were to rank them for how useful you think they'll be next year. Hernandez, Lynn, Chatham. Interesting. How about you, Keaton? Yeah, I'd go with that same order. Hmm. I don't know that I would. Um, you were the one that was touting Hernandez, like, all the entire second half of the year last year. I was, yeah. What happened? I don't, I don't think it's unfair what you're saying. I, I just, I think that... um. I think the guy who I like the best out of this group is probably Sue Whalen, just because of the the extreme versatility he has, the fact that he can play in the outfield and he can play the infield. I just like I like him the best out of these three guys because I think all of them are similar in how limited they are in terms of their hitting ability. Um, and unless Marco Hernandez can recapture that, I don't really think there's anything that sets him apart, and I think that Lynn is set apart by his ability to go out in the outfield. I don't think that's unfair. I would say Hernandez has a better chance of being a decent hitter um, than any of the other two guys, and I would also say that, I mean, if any of them are playing a lot in 2020, something isn't good. Yes. <laughs> yes, this is this is very fair. Um, the Sandy Leone era in Boston is officially over. He was traded to the Cleveland Indians before he would have essentially been non-tendered. Um and the Red Sox got back kind of like a, I don't know, a complete lottery ticket arm uh, in the minor leagues. But do you have any thoughts on either the return or uh, the Sandy Leone era? Any uh, any closing thoughts on that? No. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised. Um, and it's probably the right move, but I'm still a little sad just because Sandy Leone was fun. Uh, 2016 was just a wild time. Um, we will always have those six weeks. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's basically it. And I mean I don't know. It's hard to really say anything without knowing how they're going to replace it. But at the same time, like I said, I don't. It's hard to argue with getting rid of him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the money that he was due would have been substantial enough, considering how penny pinching they are looking to be uh, in this off season. So. Um, let me ask you this, um, and it's probably mostly a joke, but I'll ask you it anyway. Um, both of you, how much does Chris Sale's ERA go up because of this move? <laughs> <laughs> well, it can't go hey, up much higher, little, can it? There's, no. a, I mean, there's something there to losing a catcher. I don't think, I mean, listen, I don't think it's going to have any sort of impact, but 
I wouldn't like totally dismiss the idea out of hand. I mean, he he did kind of force Blake Swihart out of town by demanding his catcher back, and that wasn't public. But come on, that's what happened, right? I mean, I it think that's definitely part him, of it. Right? And I just there's a lot of guys that have personal catchers. I don't. You don't really hear the things that people said about Sandy Leone very often. So, like I said, I don't. I mean, at the end of the day, the, I don't think there's going to be much of an impact. But I don't. I just always was a little annoyed by the stuff getting hand waved as often as it did. The stuff meaning like how valuable the pitcher said he was. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I, I think that there is a lot to that, and the the stuff that Rick Porcello specifically and, and Chris Sale said about Sandy Leone was. You know, like you said, it was uncommon enough for people to say that type of stuff that there had to be some merit to it. Yeah, I mean, Porcello said he's the best catcher he's ever worked with. I mean, that's obviously it's as high a praise as you can give. Yep, and that's a guy who's thrown a lot of innings, so he yeah. knows. Um, Trevor Kelly was claimed off of waivers and goes to the Phillies. Um, first of all, do you guys think that he is going to be able to stay on that roster all year, and were you surprised he was claimed? Stay on the forty man. Yep, Philly's forty man. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be surprised if they try and sneak him off at some point this off season. But I mean, he's got options, so. I don't so you don't think he has? He's in danger of being returned or anything like that, right? It's not the rule five. Oh yeah, that's right. This isn't a rule five thing. He was just claimed. Yeah, what are you talking about, man? I don't know. I'm all <laughs> screwed up right now. I was. I, I think my head's with rule five right now because we're about to have the. Uh, the winter meetings. Plus, with the twenty-six man, it makes it a little bit easier to keep guys like this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's any good, but I think he'll stick around just because he has options. Yeah, I guess I wasn't surprised considering the uh, the year that he had last year. He pitched pretty well in the minor leagues. I mean, really well in the minor leagues, in fact. So I guess I'm not surprised somebody had some interest in him. I was a little surprised the Red Sox put on waivers, but. Again, I don't think he's that good, so I'm not really too worked up about it. Apparently, he's no Bobby Pointer. No Bobby Pointer. Well, very few are. <laughs> um, a surprise to some. JBJ was tendered a contract by the Red Sox. Matt, I know you weren't surprised by this in the slightest, so let me get your opinion on what your reasoning was, because you were one of the few people I, I think that I talked to who had zero doubts that he was going to be tendered a contract. I mean, it was just always clear. I don't. I don't really know what else to say. I mean, it was just the. I never <laughs> ever got a sense that he was going to be non-tendered. Um, I don't think. I, I definitely. That's not the same as saying that they want him in 2020. That they want to pay him the 11 million or whatever he's projected to make. Right. But he's an elite defensive player at a very important position, who has been roughly a league average player over the last few years um this year was the first time he was below a league average player and he was still pretty good um and the defensive metrics were like wacky for him this year which i didn't really understand so i wouldn't really look at war there but i mean it's just there's value in that that's just it, that's what i i mean arbitration is just a money game like it's a value game are you worth the projected amount in a vacuum and i think bradley pretty clearly was yeah, I think that one of the reasons why I was um, starting to buy into the fact that he might be non-tendered is that 
if you look at him a snapshot over the last three seasons, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Kevin Pillar have essentially been worth the exact same according to war. Um, they're both elite center fielders that aren't very good at hitting, and Kevin Pillar uh, is on the market, and most evaluators think that he's going to get about half of what Jackie Bradley uh, is going to be making this year in uh, arbitration. So, I think Kevin Pillar has not hit, has not had a WRC plus as good as Jackie Bradley's last year since uh, 2015. His WC, WRC plus of 90? Yes. <laughs> Kevin Pillar has never had a WRC plus of 90. Well, I mean, just looking at these two guys, though, I mean, he's, his was 85, 89, 86, and he was a two-win player, two-win player, 1.5-win player. Jackie was 2.2, 2.8, 1.4 with a 89, 90, and 90. It's not like we're talking, it's not like we're talking about huge differences be, between players. Essentially... What my point is is that they're similar enough players. One's going to make about half as much as the other one. You know, the 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 thing was who's going to want to trade for Jackie Bradley Jr. at eleven million dollars when you could go out and sign Kevin Pillar for like six million dollars. Well, I mean, there's only one Kevin Pillar. If that's the thinking of like every team in the league, there's still only one Kevin Pillar. So somebody's not going to get Kevin Pillar. So, do you think there's going to be interest in Jackie Bradley Jr. at the cost? Yeah, I don't think they're gonna get much in return, but I think they'll. I think they'll definitely be able to trade them. Where are you at with this, Keaton? Well, when we did a roster projections, I had JBJ on the roster. Um, I don't remember when we did that in October or so. I just expected. I think he means. We, I mean, we've talked about it before. He means more to the Red Sox and his defense um, out there every day, and the rest of the lineup carrying him than he would pretty much anywhere else. I feel like he. Might even be well. No, this defense is too good to get a platoon, but it's too too big of a hole somewhere else. That um, I think he says he's going to be here at that cost. All right, mainly because their depth. I mean, what the hell are they going to do if they don't? If they move him, you'd have to get an outfielder in return for someone, right? That seems harder than just rolling him out there. Yeah, I mean, I think the argument is that the Red Sox are better positioned than any team to get rid of Jackie Bradley Jr. because they have two guys who could play center field if they needed to but then who plays right and or left i don't think it'd be a disaster i think it'd be really average i think it'd be a disaster i mean mookie in center field would be just fine yeah but then you get right field to fill yeah who's playing that and i i do i do agree that right field would be more difficult to fill but i don't think it's out of the question that they run with a benintendi center fielder next year i don't think it's out of the question either but i think it would be a disaster um, well, even is though... he on the roster to start the year? Keaton says yes. Matt, what do you say? What was that? Is Jackie Bradley Jr. on the Red Sox roster to start the year? No. Next year? No. Okay. Also, Kevin Pillar may not have ever had a WRC plus of 90, but he does have an MVP boat. And, uh, <laughs> he that, does J- have an MVP JBJ that does is, not. That is something we can never take away um, I I guess I'll be the tiebreaker here. I don't know which way to go, to be honest. I'm going to say that. You're not way, to, way to sit on a fence. He's, he's traded. He's traded. I'm gonna I don't say think you moves. had him on your roster. In I don't think I did either. So I just want to take a second to say that you're going to, just to notice that you said that you're going to be the tiebreaker, and then you just said, I don't know. <laughs> and it didn't break the tie. That was, that was very good. <laughs> All right, so let's move on from this. Um, 
Rick Porcello. There has been uh, some talk recently, and I'm looking at the MLB trade rumors page right now, um, but Jason Master Donato reported that uh, Porcello's reps are remaining engaged in discussion with the Red Sox. Um, you know, it was known that before, uh, when Dave Dombrowski was in charge, um, basically Rick Porcello's representatives reached out and expressed their willingness to take a discount to you know stick around in the city and. Dombrowski had zero interest in this. Um, Porcel has made it clear he loves it here, um, wants to stay, wants to resign. But then there's also been a lot of interest in Porcello. The Mets have been interested, which is the location that I've kind of heard the most. And there's some talk that he could even garner a a multi-year deal from somebody because there has been enough interest. Um, I guess this is a two-parter. And why don't we start with you, Keaton? Are you interested in him coming back, and no. do you think he does come back? Probably. But I don't have any interest in it. And really because the Red Sox have they have no depth and they have nowhere else to go. So if the option is have Porcello take a de- discount and stay somewhere he likes to be and eat innings versus pay someone probably a little bit more to do the same thing, then it would probably make sense to bring him back. But I'd be really annoyed about it because I don't think he's that good of a pitcher. Wow, no love for the guy who won a Cy Young here, huh? Nope. Okay. That Cy Young means as much to me as Kevin Pillar's 10th place MVP vote. Wow. wow. That's, that's a strong take right there. Yeah, that's that's something. Um, Matt, how about you? Same questions. Uh, what, do I want him and do I think it'll happen? Yep. Uh, I, I mean, he's talked about this. I don't know. It's probably unlocked on. I don't, mostly because I'm just sick of covering Rick Porcello. Not like Rick Porcello seems like a good guy. Nothing against him. It's just I I get it. I need to change, you know. Sometimes I gotta change it up. So I'd kinda like something new, just selfishly. Um but I mean in terms of the team it depends what he wants. I think I don't have any doubt he could get a two year deal somewhere. Probably like two twenty two ish. Um maybe even a little more than that. I think that's what Pineda got, two twenty two. Or he get two twenty. I think he'd get a little more than Pineda. Um but I think I wouldn't be surprised if he wants a one-year deal. So I mean, if it's like one eleven, one twelve, I guess so. Any more than that, I'd get a little more hesitant. Um, but it's just the other options aren't very good. There's not a lot of great options out there. I guess I'd probably rather have Tanner Roark, but it's. I mean, we're just talking about boring names at that point. Yeah, I just don't know if there's a real difference between Tanner Roark and. Rick Porcello. I think Rick Porcello has a lot more upside than Tanner Roark. And, you know, a guy like that's we don't know how he's going to pitch in the American League East either. So Rick Porcello has at least been able to <laughs> Do we to know how Rick Porcello is going to pitch in the American League East? <laughs> okay, but he's not a five-and-a-half ERA pitcher that he showed last year. I no, mean, but, I mean, he's – I no, I mean, I get, I get what you're saying, and I think you're right. Porcello definitely has more upside. I would say that Roark has um, a higher floor. Um, hmm. He's just always kind of been solid his entire career. I don't know that I agree with that. Rocks. I mean, he's yeah, he's solidly Rourke. like a 4.3 to 4.5 ERA pitcher. He's been about a league average pitcher, a little worse by ERA um, over his entire career. Yeah, he's got a 3.71 over his entire career versus a 4.36 for Rick Porcello over his entire career. So... That is better, but he has definitely, 
you know, played in the National League most of the time. Um, yeah, I don't know. I so two. I'm I'm of two minds of this. I think Porcello's bigger chance for a rebound would be with a team like the Mets, and I think he would benefit from a change of scenery, even if he doesn't want it. Um, and I do think he's going to be better than what he showed last year, whether he's with the Red Sox or with another club. Um, I definitely wouldn't mind it, considering how predictable he is. He's thrown 170-plus innings in, I think I read, seven-plus years um, for him. So, you know, he's he's extremely consistent uh, with his ability to go out there and eat innings, and I think that when you're looking at the Red Sox starting rotation next year with health questions from uh, Chris Sale and David Price and Nate Eovaldi, um, stability is has its place, and I think that management is definitely looking at that. So there are definitely worse guys that you could get to fill out a fifth spot in the rotation. <laughs> I don't I don't disagree with anything. I, I just think you're the only person that consistently calls for Porcello consistent. I mean, I'm consistent with that, aren't I? <laughs> you are. <laughs> I think he's basically the exact opposite of consistent, but... I, get, I mean, I get your point is well taken about the innings. It's not, it's not an unfair point. We have documented, though, on, on this show or maybe a different show we were on together, Matt, that he is a big game pitcher, though. He does show up. He does show up um, as long as it's not in London. <laughs> he he in did not case. show up to London. No one showed up to London, yes. man. Well, the hitters. Like, yeah, yeah the, the, that, that park was a travesty. Yeah, it was, Can it I even call it a park? Yeah, it was terrible. Um, so we'll be monitoring the Rick Porcello situation. My gut tells me he's going to end up signing somewhere else, though. I agree. Um, winter meetings. Uh, the big kahuna, this is this is what we're on here to talk about. So I guess let's lead with the big question here. Um, there's been so much talk about Mookie Betts, and I think one of the, the big things we'll talk about is the thing that's been annoying both Matt and I when it comes to discussing Mookie Betts. Um, which I didn't know we shared the same annoyance until I found out on Everything annoys me about talking about trading Mookie Betts. Yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> but here's my question to both of you. Will the Red Sox find the right trade partner for Mookie Betts? And when I say the right trade partner, what I mean is somebody who is willing to um, pony up a package that is serviceable for Mookie Betts and a team that is um, looking to compete and contend next year because it has to be one of those teams it's not going to be a rebuilding club that looks to trade for him it's got to be somebody who believes that Mookie can take their club to the next level so uh, let's start with Keaton on this one do you believe that uh, that they'll be able to find a partner well I mean like a week ago I thought it was like a sure thing it was going to happen now I'm not so sure but um, What's changed for you? Um, I guess mainly the reports that the Red Sox are asking too much, which makes sense. I guess they should, but I just don't think they're going to get it. So I guess it depends on how motivated they are actually to move off of him and not pay him, if, whether or not it would happen. And I guess if they really are dead set on it was either J.D. Martinez or Buki, and Martinez opted in, so now they're going to have to maybe lower their expectations on a return for Mookie. This is probably one of the better times to do it, just because everybody's there in the same place. But I just, I'm, 
I mean, I'm annoyed about this whole situation, but I think I said my initial take on this back in like July was that they weren't going to trade him this offseason and they were probably going to go through the season if they were contending and then he would end up walking or something. I think I might be back to that. <laughs> because if they are, if they do really want to put a team out there to compete, why would they not have Mookie be a part of that? I mean, I know the there's the downside of him walking without getting anything in return, but I just don't think you're going to get anything really that's significant anyway, so why not just take a run at it with him? Of course, that also assumes that the pitching staff is healthy and they are actually contending. It's so, a big assumption. It is a big assumption, especially if the Yankees are really going to get Garrett Cole. Right. That might be out the window. Yeah, and the Rays aren't going anywhere either. No. Uh, Matt, where are you at? They're not trading him. How come? Extremely confident, though. Because nobody wants to pay what Mookie Betts is worth. It's insane, but this is where we are in baseball. Um, I would say there's like a 5% chance he gets traded this winter. Um, I mean, it's just every report is that it's not going to happen. Every indication is that it's not going to happen. There was a thing in ESPN a week or two ago where they did, um, they do every year, they survey like a bunch of front office people and about a bunch of questions for the offseason, and one of the questions was, out of Lindor, Betts, and uh, Chris Bryant, who is the most likely to get traded, and zero people said Mookie Betts. So it just, it seems like there's just no momentum towards the deal. This is the most bullshit thing of all time, and like, let me just preface this by saying, I'm not advocating for Mookie to be traded, but what I am advocating for is for teams to want to trade for Mookie Betts. And when I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at teams like the Angels, perfect fit. Um, I'm looking at the any of the teams in the NL East, because that's going to be a friggin' nightmare of a slugfest division. Braves, Nationals, Mets, Phillies, any one of those teams could potentially win with the right offseason moves. The Cardinals, I mean, that's no sure lock. They could definitely improve their club. The Reds are doing huge things. They would be a great one. Um, the Padres are on the up and up and have a huge system. That would be a great one. I mean, the that's Dodgers. a ton of teams. The Dodgers are the number one team that should trade for him. Dodgers, yeah, exactly. Put your team over the over the hub, hump and finally like win a World Series. All of those teams would be better with Mookie Betts, who's averaged like seven and a half WAR over the last four seasons. You add Mookie Betts to one of those teams. Teams are drastically discounting what he means to your club in 2020. It's insane to me. that If you can get a guy of that caliber for one year and go, go get deep into the postseason, you're telling me that's not worth, like, I don't know, a few fringe prospects and, like, maybe one good piece going back? That's fucking bananas. I would not trade him for a few fringe prospects. I mean, what you just said was literally staring the Red Sox front office in the face and, like, make a run with Mookie now. I mean, they should. I mean, if if that's if that's what they're going to get. But, like, I just don't understand why a team wouldn't pony up. I had some Angels fan, like, complete fanboy online tell me that a trade of – I think it was uh, Matt Trueblood of Baseball Prospectus wrote this up, and it was Brandon Marsh um, – Patrick Sandoval, um, Justin Upton, and one other prospect. Oh, it was uh, David Fletcher coming back. A four-person package. So, you know, you you fill a position at second base with Fletch. Justin Upton fits into your outfield. 
Uh, Patrick Sandoval could work in the uh, in the back end of your rotation, and then you get a legitimate outfield prospect in Brandon Marsh. And that guy said to me online, "Tell me why the Angels would do a move like this for Mookie Betts." And I just wanted to like write back to the guy. He's Mookie fucking Betts. Like, what do you mean? Why would you do that? <laughs> like, he's gonna take your club up at least. Six wins next year by himself. That's why you do that. That's insane. Like, are people really asking that question? Hey, welcome to baseball in 2019. Um, I mean, I think that trade is awful for the Red Sox, but um, I just... I I don't think anyone knows how to value Mookie Betts at this point. I think the Red Sox are terrified of um, the backlash if they trade him for anything, but... Uh, very exciting package, and I don't think any team's going to give it a very exciting package. Cowards. Everybody's a coward. Everybody is a freaking coward, man. If you balk at that trade, if you're an Angels fan, come on. Like, you're out of your mind. It's Mookie Betts. That's the potential to see Mookie and Trout play together in the same outfield. Jake is going in on this random guy on Twitter. Get him. It's ridiculous. I hate getting trolled by eggs. It's the worst. Um, all right. Before I blow a gasket here, uh, are there any closing thoughts on the Mookie Betts stuff for um, for this off season? I think it's more likely they get an extension than they trade him. That's after a hot take. Well, you said it was a five percent that he gets traded. So what's the extension at? Like six percent? Like five point five. Oh man, I just it it's very unsettling uh, the whole thing. I just don't like the idea of you know banking on so many what ifs with just returning the roster as is, and I really hate the idea of selling Mookie Betts for nothing. So I hate both possibilities to be honest. To drive it home to the front office, can we give Mookie a farewell tour like we gave Ortiz, and like have all the AL East teams give him a send off? And- <laughs> He's not retiring. <laughs> I know, but they don't, they don't have to see him 19 times a year. They should be Unless happy he goes about to the it. Yankees or something. God, shut up. Shut your damn mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, winter meetings. Um, Matt and I both talked about how we don't think JBJ is on the roster for this upcoming season. Keaton, you think he's going to be? Um, yeah. Is he going to get traded at the winter meetings? Let's start with you, Matt. Jesus, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yes, I have no re- I, I I don't have any logical reason for this, but I'm just going to say yes because you're asking me a question. What do you think a package for Jackie Bradley looks like? Uh, a guy, a couple of prospects, uh, one with like a 35 future value on Fangraphs and one with a 40. Maybe that's too much. I don't know. So no, I hate doing this. Yeah, I know you do. It's your it's your least favorite thing. So you don't think that they're going to get much for JBJ. And you think it's going to be minor leaguers, though. You don't think it's going to be a major league piece. I mean, if they're looking to cut salary, I think it would be weird to take back a guy. Well, you could take back a guy who's, like, in his team-controlled or first year of arbitration. I guess, but who's giving – I don't know that anybody's giving that up for Jackie Bradley unless they're, like, a Mark Hernandez type. Yeah, it would totally That's depend on the level. Three of years of control that that you're suggesting someone give up for JBJ, and you know how these owners covet years. Of Actually, control I think we just saw over John someone's Tomasi actual talents. John Tomasi made this point the other day. Unless you're a superstar, um, 
the teams you only get like three, four years of control now as a player, and you're getting non-tendered at that point. Yeah. The whole years of control thing drives me up a wall. I hate where we are right now. Don't worry, there's going to be a strike in a few years, so. Oh, good. Super I'll, looking forward to that. I have literally nothing to do in the summer except go to college baseball games. So that'll be great. I'm going to um, just not watch baseball. It's going to be pretty sweet. Dude, there's nothing sweet about not watching baseball. I don't know about that. Um, hey, if the options are game? watch a Porcello start or not watch a Porcello start, <clears throat> I'm saying there could be worse things. The shots have been fired. Dude, don't start with me right now. I'm already <laughs> riled up about Mookie. Um, where are you at with JBJ? You think he's not going to get traded, um, but if he does get traded, um, what do you think the return could look like, Keaton? Are you with Matt? It's going to be really underwhelming and probably prospects? Yeah. I am. Um, I don't know. Maybe the maybe Atlanta will just do a one for one swap for Inciarte, which wouldn't make any sense at all. But who knows? Yeah, I'd rather just have JBJ next year. I guess we're bringing the band back. This is what we've uh, we've dis- decided here on this podcast. I'd be all over that. Just bringing the band back. I'm so much higher on this team than pretty much everybody else. It seems like, but I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're the a healthy pitching staff away from competing for a World Series. That's really the big question for next year, right? It's just kind of pitching staff stay healthy. We know the yeah. lineup's fine. I well, mean, they just they they stay healthy. They got to fill in a starter and somebody on the right side of the infield. But. We're gonna have a healthy Michael Chavis launching fifty bombs. We're oh good. my god! Hell yeah! <laughs> All right. Um, two of the other names that have been floated out there. Talking about starting pitching here, um, David Price and Nate Eovaldi. Um, we haven't heard much traction about anything involving Nate Eovaldi because I think everybody in baseball views his $17 million salary as a complete albatross. Um, but David Price has still been a pretty effective pitcher when he's been out on the mound, and he's the one we've heard the most about this offseason. Uh, Matt, you just wrote a piece about him, so kind of give me the, the pluses and minuses of exploring a trade for David Price. I mean, I think the David Price decision kind of is going to define the offseason. Um, do you want to win in 2020 or do you want to cut payroll? I mean, I think that's pretty much what it comes down to. Because if you trade David Price, you're not going to be a contender in 2020. It's, I mean, I don't know how you replace David Price um, with the payroll constrictions that they have. Um, so, I mean, that's basically, I think, all there is to it. I think, obviously, I've always been higher on David Price than a lot of people. I think he's still very good when he's healthy. Um, all indications are that he should be healthy going into spring training. Um, and if you trade him, I don't think, I mean, I certainly don't think teams are taking on that whole contract, so you're probably saving 20 to $25 million a year. And then you still have to fill all these spots with, I don't know, you're, I mean, you're going to have like 20 to $25 million to spend to fill all these spots, and it's just... Well, it's a good you, thing they held on to Brian Johnson. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's, seriously though, like, I do you disagree? I think that's what David Price comes down to. Do you want to save no. money or do you want to win? Yeah, I don't disagree at all. And it really, it, the position with the, the starting pitching with trading Ivaldi and Price, I feel like is the exact same situation room with the outfield. If they trade one of these guys, they don't have anyone to replace them. So they're just they're trading these guys away to save money to not be as good or competitive on the field because they have no one they can slot into these positions, particularly on the pitching. It's even worse on the pitching than it is with the outside. Yeah. Uh, with the outfield. But, like, if you 
get rid of David Price and Evaldi, then that does mean that Brian Johnson is in the five-man rotation. That's, I mean, not, I think, that's not a place I want to live in. <laughs> I think you can find something relatively close to Jackie Bradley for fairly cheap on the free agent market. I mean, Jake's talking about Pilar, and I think there's some other options you can find. I don't think you're finding anything cheap that's going to replace David Price. No, I don't think so either. I do think that's a, that's a good point, Matt, that if you choose to trade David Price, then I... 100% think that that means that you're trading Jackie Bradley Jr. and anybody else who's sort of like a fringe player because you're accepting that your goal is to cut payroll more than it is to compete. But if you choose not to uh, trade David Price, I think I would lean more towards bringing the entire team back and seeing what this unit has together. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I mean, I think... Like I said, I think you can find replacements for Jackie Bradley. There might be a way to get creative where trading Jackie Bradley. Maybe you find a team that'll give you something in the bullpen that you think you can tinker a little bit and find a really good reliever uh, with what you can get there and then find an outfield to replace it. I think there are ways to do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think if you don't trade David Price, then you just you got to keep the team. you got to not worry about the payroll, and you just got to go for it this year. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Like, screw these owners, man. I don't care about resetting your payroll. Not one bit. I'd rather I'd rather see Mookie Betts for another year and see what this team can do. This whole bit about resetting that payroll, man, I'm not going to give two shits if it puts off resetting the payroll for another year. No, I, mean, I think to that point, though, I think it needs to be mentioned. Um, David Price, this is pretty much your last chance to trade him. Um, he gets 10-5 rights after this. Maybe he would accept the trade after that, but he might throw some restrictions onto other teams that they just don't want to deal with. So um, mm. that is a consideration if you do want to worry about payroll in the future. But it's again, it's not something I really care that all that much about. Porcello would have ten five rights if he comes back here too. Yes, he would. Yeah. The point of the sound in a previous pod, but I think that the. No, I just completely forgot what I was going to say. God damn it! Happens when you do afternoon. Yeah. Oh, the recent the payroll thing. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> uh, I don't understand why it has to happen this season, particularly with uh, the guys that they have, like Mookie, that are going to be up, or guys that they're paying a whole bunch of money to. Why do they have to reset this year? Why does it have to be now? Why can't they just... I mean, I guess they've... No, no, I'm starting to shave a little bit, but it seems like it would be much easier to get where they want to go with their payroll if they had, like, a two-year plan to get there. I just don't understand why don't it has to be now. I just don't know how it happens, unless you yeah. trade David Price. I, I think that's really the only realistic way it happens. 
Yeah, the only way to do it is to become non-competitive. There's nobody who's going to take David Price's entire salary. No, like I said, I mean, you're probably going to... I think they'll take on 20 to 25 of it. Yeah. In the best case scenario. And you're not getting much back for that. Which, I I mean, I think David Price is tremendously underrated as a pitcher at this point, but I think I'm pretty much on an island there. Something close to it. I'm so torn about David Price. Uh, He was really good before he got hurt last year. Yeah, and he was really good for most of 2018, too. As soon as he started throwing, just leaning on the cutter and changeup, he's been outstanding, and then he got hurt and he couldn't throw the cutter anymore, and that was that clearly hindered him but I mean if, as he, if, if he can throw his cutter I think he's very very good yeah I think it's just the off field stuff that pisses people off with the I mean, I, price his I, personality I is hard no to, no, no I don't think you're like. wrong but I mean I'm talking even like national people yeah no you're right like he's over the hill and I don't know I mean definitely in fantasy circles, people talk about David Price like he's over the hill too, like he's not effective when he's on the field. But how many pitchers can give you a first half of under three and a half ERA like he did? And he was well under three and a half. He was incredible in the first half. Yeah. He was definitely the most consistent. Uh, and we should know. We podcasted every day about him. That is true. Um, all right, so... Before we move off of this topic, Keaton, I want to talk to you about this because you were convinced that they would be easy. It would be easier for the Red Sox to find a suitor for the Nate Eovaldi contract uh, more than the David Price contract when we first started doing our rosters. So, have you kind of changed your tune on that, or do you still believe that that's going to be the case? Yeah, I mean it's like fourteen million dollars less and the same length. I think they both had four years beginning last year. Yeah, I mean, it's just cheaper. And there's, uh, I mean, there's a ton of risk with Evaldi, but I think it would be easier to convince teams to take his risk on than it would be to just take the salary of David Price. Because like I said, I don't think you're going to be able to trade David Price without eating a whole bunch of the salary, and you still may end up paying David Price what you're paying Nathan Evaldi to play for someone else. So at that point, I'd rather just move Evaldi because I think David Price is a better pitcher, like we just kind of laid out. Okay. Uh, any thoughts about that, Matt? I don't think anyone's taking a fall, dude. Is it because of the on-the-field stuff? I mean, just being bad at baseball this past year? I mean, I think it's the health more than anything. And yeah, he wasn't very good. Um, but I think he just... He hasn't really been able to stay healthy his whole career. and He's... I, I, I think he's much better than he was last year, but I think he's definitely worse than he was two years ago i mean i think i think you just gotta hope for a league average pitcher and i think that might even be stretching it so i just don't see teams trading for a guy like that i'm gonna say this i think nady Evaldi is a picture perfect candidate to be traded at the deadline if he pitches well if they're not in contention yeah that's the guy who you gotta pray like throws really well so he can get his stock up and whatever happens with the rest of your team whether or not your the rest of your team comes along great then you have Nate Evaldi for the rest of the year, and that's awesome. But if uh, he pitches well and the rest of your team's in the tank, I think, Keaton, you're absolutely right. Him, His contract being much more uh, manageable from an AAV perspective and teams getting desperate at the deadline. We know that pitching always goes for a lot at the deadline. I think that's that's a great person to 
kind of have in your back pocket. Thanks, it. Um, all right, so last question here for the winter meetings before we get on to listener questions. Uh, Red Sox have a lot of places where they can add to this team, particularly the bullpen, uh, maybe the back end. Um, they have the fifth starter spot, and then they have the right side of the infield where you know, we think that they're going to probably go internal for one of those spots, probably not both. Um, do you guys think that they add anything to the team at the winter meetings this particular week? I think they figure out the starting rotation spot. Um, they get whether it's Porcello or Roark or somebody else. I think they get a relatively cheap fifth starter. Keaton. Yeah, I think that's probably the easiest. I think we always have super high expectations for the winter meetings because of their. I don't remember what year it was, but it was like two thousand nine or two thousand ten, where the winter meetings were just like a absolute cannon the entire week. Uh, and it's never really been close to the same ever since, but we always still remember the excitement that ha- that could happen in the winter meetings, and that just never does. So I I'm feel like s- there's, a, there's a non-zero chance and a high probability that we get through the week and nothing has happened. In baseball like at all? for the Red Sox? For the Red Sox. Oh, oh yeah. That's fair. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that uh, Bloom finds a way to fill either first or second base, but he does so via a trade going to happen this week all right so let's move on um our first question comes from paul ski and he says will they upgrade the bullpen via trade or free agency um i think they make a trade for like a guy that we're not very excited about at some point i think they sign blake training oh i would love a blake training signing there's going to be a lot of teams competing for him, though, right? Seems like it. Yeah. That would probably. be a really nice one, though, because he probably won't cost that much and will be able to potentially be a back-end stud. Yep. I um, love that move. He was projected to make 7.5, and, and nobody wanted to trade for him at that price, so presumably he's going to make under that. Um, but among relievers coming back from down seasons they're trying to come back I would rather have Patances than Trinan I would love either of those yeah I, don't I, would, get I would enjoy either of those uh, Mike Teague asks us what team will JBJ be playing uh, for on March 26th um, I guess Matt we should be the ones that answer this because we're the yeah. ones that think he's going to be gone uh, do you know March 26th is my birthday oh happy birthday then I mean it's not even close but Uh, I don't know the Reds I don't even know if he fits on the Reds but I'm just saying the Reds let me pick a cavernous ballpark Uh, definitely doesn't fit on the Reds San Francisco the Mariners oh I kind of like San Francisco they just gave up Kevin Pillar though they They did did. so why would they just saying it's a really big center field there with that weird thing in the right center and they have Buster Posey and they have Brandon Pelt, so they're just trying to collect all the players that I really like. They're trying to collect all the guys that were really good in 2014. They, they, they did win a World Series, didn't they? They did. Uh, and then another, yeah. and then we another. can't say anything bad about Dubon. He's a, he's a dude. 
All right, our next question is from Zach. He says, what does our rotation look like next year? What happens if we lose any major pitching pieces? I feel like that's the big unknown for 2020. Yeah, it is. Um, I think it'll be Sale, Price, Evaldi, Erod, and Arando. Not Porcello. And then when one of them inevitably gets hurt, we get like two months of Brian Johnson. That sounds very similar to last year. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Go ahead, Matt. I'm going to say, this is something I'm just saying right now, so I don't even know if I really believe this, but I'm going to say I'm going to sign Brett Anderson. Ooh, okay. And then he's going to get hurt in spring training, and Ryan Weber will be the fifth starter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to say that their fifth starter spot comes from a trade of Jackie Bradley Jr., you think that somebody's giving up a fifth star for Jackie Bradley Jr.? I think they're giving up somebody. I think it's going to come from a team that is deep in starting pitching. Well, didn't you say the Mariners? I did. Um, and I think that they'll get somebody who's kind of like a, a fringy guy who's maybe just a little bit better than uh, what the Red Sox have because the Red Sox depth is shit. Um, it is. Uh, Zach also had another follow-up, which I thought was kind of worth talking about because there's been, uh, you know, I was kind of chastising people for not asking questions on Twitter, not knowing that they were all asking questions on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Good work. <laughs> but but Zach, um, you know, basically talked about how there's been this brace yourselves talk from the ownership, um, and, and Zach sends us a lot of questions, so I thought this was a valid point, and he sees this as sort of, uh, not trying to lose the positive momentum and all that stuff. And basically, I, I think he's saying that, like, ownership has set us up for bad expectations this off season, And I think a lot of people are kind of not interested in the Red Sox right now, which is not what you want from your sport. Like, from a sporting perspective, as soon as the season ends for the Celtics, like, people are are jazzed up about NBA free agency and, and what's going to happen. And there's just not that same sense of hope. It's more like a sense of let's close my eyes and hope Mookie Betts is still on this team when this, when the spring comes along. So, like, what do you guys think about that um, sort of lack of a positive narrative that has been put on this team by by those talks? I mean, look, I, I guess I get what you're saying about ownership, but there's a big difference between the Celtics and the Red Sox when their season ends, and that's um, the Patriots as a thing that exists. That's why, yeah. That's the biggest reason nobody talks about the Red Sox when the season's over. It's because everybody goes to the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots are obviously huge. Um, and I say yeah. that as somebody who uh, has to pay attention to traffic during Patriot season when the Red Sox, when nothing's going on with the Red Sox, and it's not pretty. Um, but I mean, I think there's yeah, ownership definitely hasn't helped. But I just think nobody ever cares about the Red Sox at this point because the Patriots are just so big. So you blame Brady. How many game suspension should he get for this? Um, honestly, I'm kind of like not really wanting to watch that much football anymore, but I still do because the Patriots are still good. So if Brady doesn't play anymore and the Patriots are bad, that's probably the best thing for me personally. <laughs> so forever is my answer to that question. All right. 
Keaton, any thoughts on this? Yeah, well, for two two things. First, is we all know that the entire mood of New England rises and falls with how the teams are playing. And Patriots offense is sad and poopy, so everybody here in the winter is now sad. So that spreads to everything else. And then we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, we can't even look forward to the Red Sox because they're trying to trade Mookie and cut all, all of the expensive payroll and not really be all that competitive. And that's helped by firing Dave Dombrowski and then immediately saying, yeah, we won a World Series, and our very first thought was, how can we use this as goodwill to cut payroll and not pay Mookie bets? Like, that really fucking sucks. So that's yeah, not going to... Yeah, and raise ticket and concession prices. Be like, oh my god, we're so poor. We can't pay our guys, but we're going to raise all these prices to line our pockets. Like, that's... And they didn't even, like, pretend to hide. They just immediately came out and were like, yeah, we wish that he didn't, didn't re-sign Chris Sale. One of the best pitchers in the game because he's that costs money, and we don't want to spend it. You know what I'll be able to say for the rest of my life though that I had dollar hot dogs at Fenway Park. Well, here's hoping that every game goes into extra innings and then gets called. I don't think that's going to play as well at parties as you think, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> the the only people who will be able to. You know, uh, sharing my excitement are the uh, hundred plus year olds, the the centurions who are there with me. Um, so yeah, I guess it probably won't go over well. Um, Willie Wickwist, uh, frequent listener of the show, haven't heard from you in a while, so thanks for the question, Willie. He says, um, "How do you see the right side of the infield playing out in 2020?" I see it as uh, I'll go first on this one. I see it as Chavis, first base uh, with Bobby Dalbeck lurking and i see it as i'm going to stick with my original scooter Jeanette second baseman i was just going to say the same thing chavis at first and scooter at second but let me uh, let me uh mix it up then i'll say dalbach at first uh scooter at second chavis dh wait why did i have this line oh because i thought they were gonna (laughs) yeah i i forgot that that i thought he was not going to be on the team that's why i did this lineup never mind screw all of that yeah back to chavis at first and scooter at second um yeah so i i mean i also think chavis is gonna be at first i don't know i don't want to say who i think is gonna be that second i'm just going to say that uh, there are a billion second basemen in free agency right now and i think the red sox are just gonna wait and whoever's left when the dust settles yeah, I mean, there's Scope, there's Tyler Castro, there's Jason Kipnis, there's Cesar Hernandez, there's Brian Dozier, there's Brock Holt, there's Scooter Jeanette, there's Joe Panic, um, there's Jose Peraza, there's Yulmer, Yulmer Sanchez. I mean, there's just a million Travis second basemen available. Somebody's going to be available for like a million dollars at the end of the offseason. I think that's what they're going to do. Like Travis Shaw? I don't want to talk about Travis Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> Cesar Hernandez is an interesting non tender for the Red Sox. He is. I like Cesar Hernandez. That's not a bad one. All right, Jackson Posey, maybe the most anticipated question of this podcast, um, says, if the Red Soxes were fish, which ones would get caught first? (laughs) I don't know. Start, somebody. There's a really obvious answer to this. I don't think I want to be the one to say it. I think it's Um, Devers. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely (laughs) the obvious answer. So if there's a shiny lore there drawing people's attention, he's going right for it. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, he's six. <laughs> he's a little chubby, so he's going to want to eat. He's not the fastest. Um, but I'm going to say Andrew Benintendi. Um, 
because he always seems to be the one that's trying to be too aggressive on the bases and it comes back to bite him. So I think he's going to be too, oh. too aggressive trying to get that worm. Mm. He's going to see go. Devers going for it trying to beat him there. And the joke's yeah, on I mean, him. Devers, he just yeah, got I mean, caught. Devers, like I said, Devers is the obvious answer. I just I knew somebody else was going to say it. I was going to let one of you guys have it. Uh, he's an avid outdoorsman too, Ben Intendi, so this would really hurt his feelings probably. Is it? Thinking that he would get tricked like a fish. I think Chavis is a good option too because I just keep thinking about that picture I post when he hits a home run. That's just this dumbfounded look on his face. And Chavis it just is a great seems option. right for it. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. I I mean, I have to go with I, – I just agree with Devers. I have to go with that. It's I the think right you answer. guys named the best Name ones. The so. um, Joseph Lisabello has the next question. He says – uh, any chance we see Houck start the year in the big leagues? I don't think so, personally. I think they're going to give him some more time. Um, but I do think Houck will end the year in the big league bullpen. I agree with both of those. Yep. I think he's going to start the year as a starter. And by June, he will be in the bullpen. And by August, he will be in the majors. Chad Henderson has our next question. He says, where does the pitching come from? Or the pitching, where does it come from? Um, I think we kind of... I'll hit on that. Are there any... Let me just ask this. I guess we'll reframe his question a little bit. Are there any internal candidates for the rotation that you see as real potential options? Um, let's say actual prospects that the Red Sox have. For 2020? For 2020, yeah. Whether you think like Mata's a possibility or if Houck actually works out as a starter. I mean, do you think anybody down there has I don't, a chance? Okay, so I don't think it's impossible that Houck works out. I would bet against it, but I... I'm not totally discounting it. Um, I think I give him a little better credit than most. Um, and I guess it depends on your definition here. Because, I mean, I think Kyle Hart can be what Brian Johnson has been in the past, which is extremely unexciting, but something somebody that can help for, like, 10 starts a year. So Keats? I don't know if that qualifies. Yeah, that qualifies. I'll take Kevin Hart. I mean, Kyle Hart. Kevin Hart. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think Kevin Hart would do very well. I don't think Kevin Hart's got the height to pitch. I don't think so. That's fair. I don't really think, uh, I don't think so either. Uh, Tyler has our next question. He says, price to the Chicago White Sox feels very based, uh, very likely based on Chicago White Sox continued loses at trying to sign starting pitching. That's true. The ownership has definitely been out there. Uh, any ideas how you can see a trade like that going down without having Ben Attendee uh, tied to price? Um I mean, sure. I mean, I think that that there's a need, right, for Chicago. And um, I think the Red Sox would probably have to pay at least half of that salary. Half? I think half, right? You think more? Didn't they just give out their most expensive contract to uh, Lucroy? No, not Lucroy. What the hell? Grandal. Grandal, yeah. That's the biggest contract they've ever gotten. It was like 80 But, I mean, then they offered one bigger, like, days later. They did. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, I would not price... eat half of David Price's contract. Absolutely. What do you think they'd have to eat? Like I wouldn't be surprised if they have to eat, but I would just hang up on them if that was what it came to. <laughs> <laughs> You're really gonna pay fifteen and a half, sixteen million? Like, what is well, the point of that? You're not even saving that much money. I guess it depends on the return you get. Like, if you're getting. If you're getting more legitimate prospects back, I think you're willing to eat more of the money. I don't think sure. you're going to get a top 10 from their system. I mean, I, I haven't looked at their system recently. What would that look like? I mean, oh, let's just say, all right, Dane Dunning. 
They offer Dane Dunning for David Price. How much money are you sending back? Um, I would. Make, I mean, I wouldn't. I would pay. I mean, I don't know shit about Dane Dunning. I'm looking at his scouting report on Fangraphs right now, so this is not exactly scientific. I would make them pay like twenty two, twenty three. That's fair. He's coming off Tommy John surgery, but he's he's Dunning gonna, is. Yeah. Oh, now I don't know. I'm even more upset about it. <laughs> yeah, that's why the 2019 stats weren't there. I didn't scroll <laughs> down that far. I just looked at the grades. Um, yeah, I mean, Chicago's got a nice deep system, though. So conceivably, you could get a top piece like a Dean Dunning and then maybe some lower down pieces um, that could have some value potentially soon. I don't think you're getting anybody like that unless, you, like you said, you're eating half, and I wouldn't do that. Uh, Keaton, where are you at with this? You're Chicago, Chicago White. I am. Um, that's why I don't think that... Uh, it's not what you call the, the Chicago, is it? Chicago win. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, but that's why I don't think there's going to be a top, a top 10. Anybody, I mean, their 11th, according to MLB.com, their 11th ranked prospect is Maker Adolfo, who's a pretty highly rated international fella. I don't even think you get that. That dude is jacked. Have you ever seen Mickey Rodolfo? Yes. He is Yandy very Diaz jacked. Levels? Oh, he's yoked. He's absolutely Yandy level. Really? Yeah. Dude is I have to Google serious. this. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe Strong they boy. would uh, let us have Basabe back. Ooh. Ooh. Do you like Basabe? Be a nice little reunion. Well, let's move on here. Uh, Steve Bryant, he says, why do you do this to yourself? Keaton, why do you do this to yourself? <laughs> well, like I said before, self-harm is my kink, so I just get <laughs> off on it. <laughs> Disturbing yeah. on many levels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our friend Shelly Verstraight has our next question. He says, with all the players that were non-tendered, do you think the Sox will take a gamble on any of them? Uh, I would love to see Cesar Hernandez, Taiwan Walker, or Travis Shaw. Oh, my God. Oh. Matt, could about you please Cesar describe Hernandez. what Travis mm. Shaw's role with the Red Sox would be? <laughs> I don't even think he would be a bad fit. I just... <laughs> it's time to move on, guys. <laughs> Is it the Carabas tweets you just don't want to see about this? Because um, he'd have a he'd have a meltdown. Yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't see the tweets, but... Um, <laughs> I just... Everybody... I don't know. I'm just so sick of the Thornburg trade in general. I don't want anything yeah. to do with that trade anymore. Just get it out of my life. Um, Taiwan Walker's interesting, though, right? That's that's a that's a guy who was a pretty big deal prospect at one time. If you there's a lot of guys, I would not guarantee him anything. I wouldn't either. What do you mean? He pitched one inning. You weren't you weren't impressed by that one (laughs) inning? He's pitched fourteen the last two years. I mean, yeah, obviously in a minor league deal, I'd take anything. But I mean, somebody's giving a major league deal, let them do that. There's a the lot of guys that I would be interested in. Taiwan Walker being one of them. Uh, I would be interested in Shaw. Um, Kevin Gaussman I actually would be a little bit interested in, in as well, even though I know that's a bit of a project. But I like uh, that. And then Blake Trainin. All over Gaussman as a reliever. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I think um, Travis Shaw is interesting, though, because he can definitely play first, and I think in this day and age he could probably play second as well. I mean, he, he did play second. Yeah. Pretty fast. He played second substantially, right? Yeah. yeah. He was like Mike Ustakis before Mike Ustakis. 
Okay. Um, I'll just plug something. I wrote a list of sixteen arbitration or non-tendered players that could be fits, and yes, Travis Shaw is on that list. I'm not. Taiwan Walker out of the bullpen could be really good. I think if they could figure him out. Yeah, you need to be healthy. <laughs> yeah, that's a big part of it. But yeah, these are all good names by by Shelley. I really like these. Taiwan is a pretty good name. Yeah. Gordon Comstock has our next question, um, and he's always a, a great question asker. Uh, is Ben attending the next Will Myers? Highly touted, never lives up to the potential. Uh, the numbers for age 22, 23, 24 are all pretty close. If so, maybe is now the time to sell while he's got attractive control left and teams dream on more production than actually may be there. This is a really interesting question to me because I don't think that this is out of the realm of possibility. Um, I know that there are a lot of people who are much higher on him. I think Keaton's higher on him than I am. But I do think there's a legitimate possibility that this is what he is. And um, that could really help you get out of a jam if you are intent on clearing some money. Yeah, I'm just not ready to give up on him yet. I know last year was pretty bad. Um, and he swung at a whole bunch of stuff that he shouldn't have swung at and struck out a lot more than he should have struck out. But I'm just I'm just not ready yet to jump off his bandwagon and kind of stick him in Will Myers territory. But Will he's Myers not is- wrong about trending there. So Benintendi is the one that though right now, if you traded Benintendi at the money and the control that he has left you could actually pick from the tops of a lot of team systems. Yeah, I don't know about that. Tops? I wouldn't say, like, the top, but I would say you could look at most teams' top five and get at least one of those names. I think you could get, like, an end-of-the-top 100 guy. I think you could get a couple of those guys. It could be top five for most franchises, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought thought you were saying, like, top one or two guys. Yeah, so, I mean... For instance, if we were to look at like a, a team like, um, I don't know, the Padres or something like that, obviously you're not getting a Mackenzie Gore, but I think you could get a guy like Luis Patino and maybe another piece lower down for Benintendi, and I, I think that there's a legitimate reason why you might want to do that now. I don't think you get Patino. Neither do I. You guys are really high on him, huh? I don't know much about him, but I can tell you I've read a bunch of stuff and heard a bunch of stuff and uh, he's a very he's a guy that teams like a whole hell of a lot so was Ben Intendi for a long time Ben Intendi sure was but we're talking about right now I think you just need the right team to be sure I mean look I guess I'll say I I don't really know farm systems that well um, other than the Red Sox so I mean I think you can get like a Tristan Casas back that level of prospect I think it's about right like a back end of the top 100. I guess I think you guys are might be underselling a little bit how valuable it is for the player to be already major league ready and to still be this young. Because he's going into his age 25 season, so a team is going to be getting him for 25, 26, 27. That's when you want to get a guy. Well, I don't think I'm underselling it. That's why I'm not ready to move off him. But you're underselling what you get for return from him. Well... If we're going off of the full six years of control, these guys that haven't gotten to the majors yet have a full six years. 
You know what's fun, though? The first three years of a pitcher's career when he reaches the major leagues. They that usually suck. Yeah. So, I'm just saying, you've already had the settle-in period for him. So, if you're a believer, you think you're getting the three best years of his career coming up right here. Or at least three of the best years of his career. Yeah, I, I don't understand what's happening. I'm very confused by what's being said. I am an Benintendi believer. I don't think he's up all, I think he's valuable on the trade market. I don't think... I think Patino is, like, maybe I'm just way off on my valuation of him. I think he's a top 50 prospect. Um, oh, I think he is, too. Yeah, I don't think anybody's giving him a top 50 prospect unless you're getting a star back, and I don't think Ben Tundy's a star. Okay. I think that's just where we are with prospect valuation right now. Huh. I, I would definitely disagree, um, but I get your point. I definitely get your point. Um, but I think that Gordon here makes a really good point that if you're going to trade him... We all agree this is the highest value that he's probably going to have, right? No. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't, so I don't think that. So if, if he has a good year this year and he has two years of control rather than three and he's making more in arbitration, let's just say his ARB number goes up to like $13 million, you think he'll be valued better? Like let's just say he goes out and makes an all-star team this year. Yeah, I mean I think if he puts up like a 125 to RC RC+, he would get more back in a trade. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I I don't. The way that the the market is, I think a, a club would rather have three years of a guy at a lower salary than two years of a guy at a higher salary. I think it's also worth noting next year's off season is going to be weird because it's the last one before the yeah. CBA. So huh. I don't really know what's going to happen. With, I don't know like how teams are going to approach anything. Yeah, that's fair. That's uncharted territory especially with this upcoming CBA. Uh, Matt Kitson has our next question. He says, there's been some talk about bringing back Rick Porcello. What would that be worth? One year for 10 to $11 million, MLB trade rumors contract estimate. Um, I think Matt's idea of a two-year $20 million contract is something that would probably be more attractive to him. But you know, maybe Rick's really confident in his ability to bet on himself too. Yeah, I think he is going to take a one-year deal. I think he's going to get like 115. What do you think, think Keaton? Well, I said a couple months ago I thought it was going to be 1 in 10. And I'm, I know, I, at least if I'm the Red Sox, which of course I am not, famously, uh, I wouldn't go above 10. Do you think he'd take 10 to come back to the Red Sox? Depends on how much the other offer. Yeah, how much does he really like it? Well, like, what's the next highest offer? I don't know. Let's just say one the Mets offer him from one, in, one in 14 or one in 15. Sure. No, I don't think he would come back for that. I think it would have to be like within a million and a half. I think a team will offer him more than a 10 to 12 for if he goes with a single-year contract. I think so, too. I think the pitching market has been surprisingly aggressive. And maybe that can change quickly, but right now, I mean, everybody's getting a little bit more than what most people expected. All right, next question. Johnny says, thoughts on Scooter Jeanette? I like him. You guys love Scooter Jeanette. I do. Yeah, I think he's prime prime back. I think he was hurt. Uh, well, he was hurt last year, and I think that really affected how bad he did. And he did very bad. Not taking anything, uh, or not trying to sugarcoat what he did last year. But I think he's had enough of a track record, and the injuries were playing enough into it that he's like a prime bounce back candidate. He was a top three RBI man at his position um, for like two or three years in a row. 
RBI he is, is extremely underrated. What is this, 1960? That's a I mean, bizarre argument they, to make. There are very good arguments you can make for Scooter <laughs> Jeanette. I would not say RBI at his position is one of them. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, he, he put up crazy numbers. He, he had did. 97 RBIs and 92 RBIs he, he back sure to back did. years. It's very it's, strange that you're pointing that out, but he have, you are not lying. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I mean, I think it matters. It, it, it says a lot about him as a hitter. It's not just – we can't just throw out RBI as like, oh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter at all. I mean – of course it matters. It shows that he's making contact when men are on base. It's important. Yeah, but there's other, there's other stats that do that better. Okay. It's very strange. 125 WRC+. Plus. All right. That's better. Is that better for you? I, I just – you could even throw a batting average that would be more informative than RBA. Right. His slash lines were, were very elite for his position for two years. I'm not as high on Scooter Jeanette, but, I mean, he's one of those guys in that second base group where – I think he will be. If he falls, I would not be surprised if he won. It sucks at all, and I would not hate it. And he's only 29. What's he projected? I can't find him. No. Fangrass has him at 1-5 for projection. I mean, I would definitely be all over that. Yeah, that'd be unbelievable. All right, glove is life. He says, "There's is there a way the 2020 Red Sox don't live up to the current expectations, aka none at all?" Well, I mean, so think you, Matt. He's he, right. he's so he's is he saying, saying the expectations are none at all. Yeah, he's saying that you know with the negativity surrounding this offseason, the expectation for the 2020 team is to take a step back. So, is there a way that they don't t- take a step back? I don't think that's what he's asking. I think he's asking if they would be even worse than what we think when we have no expectation. I don't understand this question, but I think the Red Sox are pretty good. Is my answer to that question? I think they're like a yeah. I think he's saying team. that he has low expectations. But I, he's I saying he has low, low expectations. expectations. Okay, that's what I'm reading um, it as. This is a very confusing question. I agree that the Red Sox will be at least a 90 win team next year. I'd probably put them at like 92-ish right now. And obviously, yeah. things break. I mean, there's like at least a five-win um, standard deviation on those. Uh, Ed McCusker has a potential deal for us. He says, Benny and Price to the Angels for Brandon Marsh, Jemai Jones, Hector Yan, and yes, I used MLB Pipeline for my prospects. Would you do that deal? No. Unless uh, I'm giving up on next year. But if I'm planning to compete, no. That's a light return for those guys, I think. Yeah, I don't really know anything about these guys. So I'm not going to lie. I say no just out of principle, but I, I mean, I don't. I, this is literally the first time in my life I've ever heard the name Hector Yan. <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about Hector Yan, but I mean, Brandon Marsh is a good outfield prospect. I think Benny has more valuable than more value than he and Jemai combined. Um and Jemai like Jones plays second base now? Second base. Thing. I think so. He was an outfielder, right? Yeah. He's moved between the infield and outfield. Yeah, no, I wouldn't uh, do that. No. Adam Lang has our next question. Nate Eovaldi, that is the question. I don't get it. Not a question. Uh, Ellen Nathaniel <laughs> Alkowitz says, uh, how many more days till spring training? God, winter is a long season. Uh, how many days is it? It's like Two months? I'll tell you. Two months till pitchers and catchers? 
There are 65 days, 1 hour, 32 minutes, and 32 seconds. Mm. According to springtrainingcountdown.com. Nice. Okay, I love it. Uh, Hemingway Global has our next question. Pedroia's Legacy, what is it? Laser Show. One of the most important players in the history of the franchise. Is he the best second baseman in the history of the Red Sox? Yeah, because nothing that happened before 1998 matters. Okay, take that, Bobby Dewar. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Pedroia is the greatest second baseman in the history of the Red Sox, too. And someone who I think will stay around uh, much in the same way as uh, Pedro and David Ortiz have stayed around with the team. So, love to see it. I think more so than Ortiz. I'd like that. Um, Brian has the last question. Uh, and he says, if John Henry can't afford to keep bets, should he sell the team? That's not what we're, John Henry can afford to keep Mookie Betts. But if he decides not to, should he sell the team? Let's just say that. Um, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, I, would, I wouldn't mind it, but I don't, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to be that aggressive about it. I'm just going to be super mad at him. I don't think it's his choice, ultimately. Like, if he goes out and makes the offer and Mookie just says no, like, what can he do? Well, you get up the offer him more. Right, but what if he just doesn't want to be here? Well, that's a different story, but I don't think that's the case. And I I have no faith that the Red Sox would go to extremes to keep him. Mm. I think they would offer him a lot of money. I don't think they would go bananas to keep him, and they should be willing to go bananas to keep him. What's bananas? If they offer him, like, 320 million bucks or something like that. 320 bananas is enough. That's really right. close. Three eighty, three seventy. Got to get up to market value. Three fifty. I'd go up to four hundred. I would not go up to four hundred. I would start at three eighty. What did Mike Trout make? Four twenty. Four eighty. Four eighty. Did he make four thirty? I think he made it. Made four thirty. Four thirty. I think four hundred is fair for Mookie Betts. I had three sixty as my offer to Mets. I just looked it up. Well, he's definitely turning you down. I think three six. Bowden has him at three seventy, ten and three seventy. Bowden is the god at contract predictions, and I'm, so, not even, I'm not joking about that. If he has him at ten and three seventy, I mean, let's just say Henry offers him ten and three seventy, and he says no. I, I already told you I would go. I would say keep going to four hundred. I mean, you can't no. get the trout level, right? I would say if he says no to four hundred, then he probably doesn't want to be here. Yeah. I don't think it's good business to pay a guy four hundred a four hundred million bucks. Oh man, just I need like a farting sound effect right now. <laughs> yeah, but come on, I business. mean, we've but we've had all the talk. Like it, regardless of we live in the reality, right? That this is how these guys are valuing things, and they're saying, "Oh, we can't be this close to the luxury tax." Blah 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 blah. blah. I mean, that's gonna that, <laughs> so much. That's going to hamstring this team for what they can do with guys like Devers. And then you're just going to complain about what happens when Devers leaves, too. Well, then stop worrying about the luxury tax. But that's not reality. They do worry about the luxury tax. I don't think the luxury tax is going to be around in its current form in two years. All right, well, Nostradamus over here, I mean, it is right now. So, like, what are we supposed to do? Have a little bit of foresight. These are, like, supposed to be... 
amazing businessmen, right? This is pretty basic business stuff. You have you have to look forward to what the new CBA is going to look like. The writing is on the wall that the luxury tax is going to be one of the major talking points. There's going to be significant changes to it because the players definitely always get what they want. They, what do you think they're going to be fighting for more than the luxury tax? I mean, that's going to be the number one thing. The morons last time the CBA was around wanted shit like better food in the hotel. You, you clearly understand that there's a different tone around the players right now than there was last time. Yeah, but uh, do I have faith in their ability to get together and actually get anything done? No. Well, we get disagree here, because I definitely think there's significant changes coming. I don't know. We'll see. I hope. I hope you're right. Jesus, Keaton. <laughs> All right, well, with that, we're going to end this podcast here. Um, I was just going to keep farting every time you talked. <laughs> yeah, you know, thanks. It's You're great. welcome. Yeah. Um, that has been our show. Um, if you enjoyed the show, please go on, uh, subscribe to our podcast, rate and review us. We're available anywhere podcasts are available. You can find us all on Twitter. You can find uh, Matt at Matt R.Y. Collins. You can find Keaton at Spoken Keats. You can find me at Dev Jake. And you can find the Over the Monster account at, at Over the Monster. So thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed the show. It was a long one, but we will be with you after the winter meetings. And uh, if anything huge breaks, we will be with you for the next two months.